Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. What are you living for? And it's again, it's going to challenge you, so uh, get ready to be challenged. Don't uh, be caught off guard if you're feeling a challenge or if you're feeling a nudge. Um, I'm going to be challenged myself through the Word, so uh, let's, let's be challenged. Let's step up to the plate and let's arise to what God has called us to. Amen. We're not here to play church. If you are looking for a comfortable church, then we, I think you uh, need to go look elsewhere because we're not that church. Uh, we're not the church that's ministering a comfort. We're not a church that's putting up a performance here. And uh, you should know that by now. We're a church all about establishing people into relationship with God, revealing Jesus in us so that we can go and reveal Jesus to the world. Amen. What are you living for? So last week we kicked off this new, um, the new series, What Are You Living For? And just as a means of introduction and just recapping from last week, uh, we need to identify first that all of us are living for something. All of us have a value system here this morning. All of us have different priorities here this morning. Because of upbringing, because of culture, because of examples we've seen. None of you are sitting here and you don't have a value system. You have a worldview. You have a belief system about different things. And we need to consider how does that worldview, how does that belief system line up with the Word of God? Because your belief system will determine how you're living, what you're valuing, what you're prioritizing. But the thing is this, the degree of satisfaction you're currently experiencing is a result of what you are living for. The degree of satisfaction you're currently experiencing is a result of what you are living for. If you're living for getting married and you're not yet married, you're probably dissatisfied right now. If you're living for having children and you're struggling to fall pregnant, we want to pray for you, we want to minister to you, we want to be there to support you in seeing God's manifestation, desire come to be in your life. But if that is what you're living for and it's not coming to pass, you're probably dissatisfied and bitter. And then the list can go on and on and on. The degree to what you are experiencing satisfaction this morning is a result of what you are living for. We need to know what we are living for. Is it in line with God's word or is it not? Is it in line with our design or is it not? Last week quickly we looked at created to live fully. Not fully as an F-O-O, um, even though fully in that sense isn't a word, but uh, just, to, just to clarify, um, live fully, F-U-L-L-Y. We were created to live fully, and living fully in relationship with God, relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and then helping the family grow. That is what living fully is all about. That's our design and purpose. So this morning we're looking at true revival. Who of you is excited about revival? Good stuff. For some of you are excited about revival. Some of you are not so excited about revival. We've seen amazing uh, um, accounts and history of revival happening. Throughout the history of the church, we, we've seen amazing things. We've heard about amazing things. Maybe you're not like a, uh, you haven't grown up in church and maybe you don't know what the word revival means and we'll clarify a little bit more in a moment. But we're going to look at true revival this morning in a New Testament sense and see what is on God's heart when we talk about revival. What needs to happen for revival to happen? So revival, a few definitions. 
Um, it says, restoration to life, restoration to use or acceptance, and awakening. And then some other synonyms, rebirth, renewal, and again, resurrection. Now the common mistake that we make when we're talking about revival is thinking that God needs to do something for revival to take place. We're waiting on God to do something so that revival can take place. Even maybe some of you this morning, you're thinking, man, revival in South Africa is going to be amazing. Let's pray to God so that He can do something, release something, so that revival can take place. Because God's the problem, right? At the end of the day, let's be honest, God's the problem. I'm being super sarcastic if you, uh, if you don't know me yet. That was super sarcastic and uh, I didn't uh, aim that at someone so you can't be offended with me. It was just a general statement. Um, but that's the common mistake that the Christian church is making. We're waiting on God to do something so that revival can take place. Now consider this. Hasn't God made a way for us to receive new life already? We're talking about some of the, 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 the definition of the word revival. It's receiving new life. Hasn't God already made a way for us to receive new life? The answer is yes. Hasn't, haven't we been resurrected with Christ from the dead already? Revival is talking about resurrected. Resurrection. Haven't we been resurrected with Christ already? We've died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. The Bible talks about that. Okay, so that, that, one, uh, that one is covered. Haven't we experienced the rebirth to new life already? Revival is talking about rebirth, new life. For anyone who's crucified with Christ, the old is gone and new has come. You've received a new spirit, a new nature. Hasn't God restored us to right relationship with Him and accepted us already? Yes, He has. So what's the problem? We're sleepwalking. Some of you are sleeping this morning. We're sleepwalking. The church of God is sleepwalking. We need to wake up to our new life. That's why discipleship is key to the church. Discipleship is, is helping people wake up to a reality. It's, it's growing in the knowledge of the truth of the word. Discipleship is Jesus' idea. It's not man's idea. Man didn't come up with this concept. It's Jesus' idea. It's part of the Great Commission. Go out in all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. But uh, I chatted to someone this past week and they were talking about they really know a lot of word and like they know these truths and they've heard it before and, and it's just not setting in. It's, it feels like it's not always there. They don't always have it in their hearts. They know it up here, intellectually speaking. They can go and write a test and they can ace it. But when it comes to living these truths out, not so much. And it's quite simple why that is. And a lot of the, the Christian church is sitting in this boat where people know a lot of word. How much teaching is available at your fingertips today? Man, your, your life here on earth it's too short to, to kind of go through all of the teaching that's available online today. 
So we're living in an age of information overload and in the church as well. We're living in an age, so to speak, where there's an overload of information. The problem is this. What are you doing with the information you have? What are you doing with the knowledge you have? Are you doing something with it? And that's the disconnect for a lot of maturity. People who aren't maturing in the truth of the word. Consider this. A little baby... We've got two sons. The one, uh, let's uh, look at Michael now because he's going through a few uh, growth spurts now and crawling is his next kind of milestone. So he's currently, the, 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 the things that he can do is lie on his back, roll over on his tummy, roll back onto his back, lift up his, uh, his head and his arms, do like a half a push-up. And, uh, and so that's kind of what he's currently doing, right? It looks silly if an adult would do that right now, right? Doing like half a push-ups, like rolling around on the, like back to front, front to back. But for him, it is perfectly normal. For him, that is what he can do right now with what he has. With what he's seen. So what is happening to him, he's maturing. He's growing up. Because he's seeing something, and he's trying to do that. And that is enabling him to grow. It's enabling him to mature. Before we know it, he'll be crawling, then he'll be walking, and then he'll be running. But he can't do those things if he's just sitting there waiting for God to do something. This word blessing someone. So super practical. If we as Christians, as believers, think that we're going to mature by just sitting on our blessed assurance, guess what? You won't. You won't mature, you won't bear fruit. No one's life will be blessed by your life unless you step up and you do something with what you have. And I'm saying that in love. I'm saying this from personal experience. I've been someone where I just sat around waiting for God to do something, hoping that the pastor or the duomini will save the world. Tag, you're it. The Spirit of God in you is it. God's Spirit in you is enough to save your lost friend, your lost colleague, your lost neighbor. A lot of Christians are book smart, but they're not street smart. There's no point in being book smart. It's no point in acing the test in church and you're going out there in the world and you're just kind of, you're missing the plot. Failing at life miserably. Genesis, let's get into Genesis. And so we are talking about true revival. True revival. And uh, I've already said a lot and you should, should by now have connected the dots of what is true revival about and how does it look. So Genesis 1, 2, 2 3 says, And the earth was without form and void. We looked at this last week as well. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Okay, so uh, Genesis does talk about creation, but it's also talking about God's will for mankind. The gospel right here. The world was without form and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
And then we go down to verse 26 and said, God spoke, let us make human beings on our image, make them reflecting our nature, reflecting His light, shining forth our nature. This is what each one of us was created for. From the beginning of time, God desired this, for light to come into us and fill us. To make something that is without form into something that has form. Something that is nothing to something. That is God's desire for each one of us from the beginning of time. Jesus, the message of the Bible. If you go to the Bible, like Anna said, for anything other than Jesus, you're diluting the message of the Bible. And what happens to, to something then that's diluted? Think about Oros. Let's think about Coke. I know uh, some of you like, like Coke and some of you like to throw other things with your Coke. nothing wrong with enjoying a, a Coke and a, some, some Oros with your Coke or some ice cream. <laughs> That's what I was talking about, some Coke float ice cream, right? <laughs> it's fun to have fun in church. God isn't offended. He created us with humor. And so it's like, I don't know how the world has kind of put, put Christians into boxes thinking that, man, we can't have fun in church because this, this laughing and humor obviously came from the devil, right? Because I don't know what the reason would be. But it's good to have fun in church and uh, it's good to have fun in a family setting like this. But this is what we've been created for. But we need to wake up to this truth. We need to wake up to what we've been created for, what we've been designed for. Now firstly, in order for us to help the world wake up, we need to wake up ourselves. Right? You can't throw a lifeline to someone else while you're busy drowning. That's one of the one key things. We were flying now, obviously uh, we were away a little bit, and uh, with the kids on us, when, when the oxygen masks drop, all of you guys are flown, and they always say, before you help the person next to you, Put a mask on your own face. And it's the same for us as Christians. Like, in order for us to help someone else, we need to be helped ourselves first. And so for you to help and even minister to someone else and walk through, through a, a traumatic experience with them, you need to equip yourself. You need to be trained in a sense. That's why when we come to church, don't just consider how's this going to impact me. Consider who can I share this with? Don't just come to church thinking, man, how am I going to be blessed by this gathering? I hope someone's going to bless me. I hope someone is going to minister to me. And it's great if that's where you're at. But have something else that you see in your future, that you want to grow and mature to a place where you come to church to be a blessing to someone else. To give a word of encouragement to someone else. That is maturity, guys. It's going from lying on your stomach and rolling around, looking like a seal, to actually standing up, walking, and being a blessing to those around you. Asking your mom or dad, can I make you some coffee? Can I bring you beer from the fridge? Just wanted to throw that in, here, in there as well. Non-alcoholic, obviously. Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3. 
from the Amplified Classic. It says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to your new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all the peoples. But the Lord shall rise upon you, O Jerusalem, and His glory shall be seen on you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The message translation uh, translates verse 1 like this. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. Now, there's a lot in here. First things first. This is firstly prophesying about the fulfillment and the complete work of Jesus coming into play. But this is also now using Genesis as a, a, a... Isaiah is using Genesis as, a, as his textbook, right? He's using Genesis and what's been recorded in Genesis by Moses. Uh, uh, and he's, he's, he's writing and he's prophesying in light of what's already been written, in light of what is already God's desire. This is the fulfillment of that. To wake up, to arise to a new life. To come from something without form, without meaning, without purpose, into taking shape and form to what you've always been created for. Relationship with God is spread living in you. And that's the only way to enjoy and have true life. Having God spread in you and having God spread live through you. But what do we need to do? Wake up. Arise. Take action. Step up. Because if you've got the Spirit of God in you, He's not going to force himself out of you. It would have been amazing if once we receive Christ and we, we enjoy our rebirth, that God removed our free will and then we would act perfectly like him 24-7. Our relationships would look a lot different than this, this family. You'd have a lot more friends and a lot more like, uh, people liking you. That's for all of us, because all of us are self-centered at some point or another, right? Some more than others, and that's fine. But the point I'm trying to make here is that God does not remove our free will from us when we receive His Spirit. You still have a free will, and you will until the end of time. Because God is about relationship. It's about relationship for every unbeliever out there. He's not going to force Himself on them. That's true love, giving people freedom of choice. And when we've received this true love and when we accepted that, we still have freedom of choice. So we need to wake up, get out of bed. We see Paul writing and quoting this in Corinthians and Ephesians. And we're going to get there in a moment. Just wanted to draw one other thing out from Isaiah 60. So it's beautiful how in Isaiah, he talks about darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon the The same as in Genesis. The world was out form, it was dark, and then God spoke light unto be. The world today, there's people who's living in darkness. People who don't have form, who don't have shape, because they don't have God's Spirit living in them. So they can't experience light. Paul quotes this in uh, Corinthians, and then we look at Ephesians as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 4-6, from the easy-to-read version. Now, it's important why I'm sharing these things with you guys. So I'm sharing... A specific word, but I'm also giving guys tools to study the Bible. See Genesis, we see Isaiah, and now we see Corinthians. Same message, 
Jesus, the message of the Bible. Not wisdom, the message of the Bible. You can go to Proverbs and you can find wisdom. But guess what? The unbeliever can also go to Proverbs and find wisdom. I'm going to say that again. You can go to Proverbs and find wisdom. But an unbeliever, a Muslim, a Buddhist can go to wisdom in Proverbs and find the same wisdom as you. There's more to it. Jesus, the message of the Bible. I never made my point with regards to the dilution of Coke. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just about Coke float and all of that. So when you're diluting something, considering Coke now, if you want to have a glass of Coke, you want to have an undiluted glass of Coke. If you're going to do that type of sinning and have a glass of Coke, you want it to do it properly. You don't want to do it half-heartedly, right? But say, for example, you've got a glass of Coke here and you mix it half water, half Coke. I've done that for various reasons. I've mixed sparkling water with my Coke as well because I, personally I don't like the sweetness of it, like a full glass. I'll maybe have one sip pure undiluted Coke, but then I'll kind of just tone it down a little bit. But it's not the same. It's like a dissatisfaction in your mouth when diluting something. And a lot of Christians are dissatisfied because they're diluting the message of the Bible. They think they're enjoying something because you, 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 get the, you get the flavors of Coke. You, kind of, you, can, you can quote some scripture. You, you have some reference to Jesus and the, 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 the story of the prodigal son. And, and you know about the, the Great Commission. And you can, like, you can kind of talk about, you can talk the talk. Most of us can talk the talk quite, quite well. But we're still dissatisfied. Because we're diluting what Christianity is actually about. We're distorting something that God created for us. Not a religion, not a lifestyle, but God's Spirit in you. And God's Spirit desiring to live through you. 2 Corinthians 4.46 The ruler of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They cannot see the light of the good news. Say light. So it's the light of the good news. The message about the divine greatness of Christ. The message about who? Christ. Not the message about you fill in the blank for whatever you believe in God for. It's the message about Jesus, about Christ. Christ is the one who is exactly like God. We don't tell people about ourselves. Imagine that. Pastors, ministers who don't talk about themselves, who don't build their kingdoms, but building His kingdom. We, tell people, we don't tell people about ourselves, but we tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we tell them that we are your servants for Jesus. God once said, quotation, Let light shine out of the darkness. And this is the same God who made His light shine in our hearts to let us know that His own divine greatness is seen in the face of Christ. Genesis to Malachi, prophecy, there's poetry, and it's pointing to something. It's pointing and preparing something to come. The, 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 Paul talks about this, the mystery. There's a mystery written and talked about in times of old. Then we see the Gospels. 
Gospels, eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Some of that in Acts as well. Eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Recording. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus talked about. And it's blessed me and uh, we, we continually hearing this. And, and um, I love sitting under Shane's ministry. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Shane um, is our lead pastor and founder. And him and Martin are amazing. Um, I think they're listening in this morning. If not, then I hope they listen to uh, me telling them they're amazing. I'm joking. That's not why I'm saying it. Um, but uh, just as past Sunday and Rondebosch again, this, 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 this message never gets old. This, this revelation never gets old that this is God's desire. This is the message of the Bible. And uh, a funny thing is, you shared this at Rondebosch as well, um, with, with the accounts of the, the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you consider how they've been written and how they've been put together, John a little bit different than the other Gospels, but even Acts, written by Luke, they're written in such a way that someone observed, this is what I see, let's put it down. I see a few friendly faces and a few unfriendly faces. I see a few people who had a good night's rest. Some didn't have a good night's rest. Some are looking hungry and waiting for lunchtime. Others are wondering, what's this guy doing? <laughs> so I'm observing, I'm recording what I'm seeing, right? Any person can do this coming up front. Devon, come stand up front here, record what you're seeing, okay? Anya, come up front, record what you're seeing. I'm just putting down on paper what I'm seeing. That is what the gospel writers did, and especially Luke uh, uh, acts as well. So think about this. An unbeliever could have done that. Why I'm saying that? Because it's important to understand that they were writing about something. We're not, how can I put this? The message of the Bible is a specific message. We cannot go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or anywhere else in the Bible and draw out of their message that does not glorify Jesus. Because Jesus is the message of the Bible. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, they were writing and portraying a specific account of what was happening. They weren't distorting something. They were just writing down what they were seeing. Right? They weren't trying to convince us of something. They weren't trying to teach doctrine to us. This is important. They weren't trying to give us doctrine. This is what you need to go and do. They were writing what they saw, what was taking place. And all of that had a meaning and a purpose for the fulfillment of Jesus dying, being raised from the dead, and pouring out His Spirit. And so we get those accounts, and then we get the letters of Paul, of Peter, John, and some others writing about the fulfillment and the reality of what all of this build up to. Genesis to Malachi, prophesying, foretelling what is coming. The recordings of the, the Gospels and Acts, this is what is happening, this is what we're seeing Jesus doing, and it all pointed to something. He's coming, the fulfillment of Him dying for our sins, being raised from the dead, opening up right relationship with us and God, for those who receive, have His Spirit live in us, be transformed, taking form, and then living that out. And so then the, the, the writers explain these things to us. They explain to us what this all meant. 
and we'll get to that in a moment. Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians quickly. And so it's important to, to mention all of that because oftentimes we, we get into the Bible and we want to go and do Bible study and then our approach to it and our expectation of what we're going to get from it is completely off. It's off and we're expecting something that we shouldn't be expecting. We, we're wanting something out of it that we shouldn't be wanting and then we leave our Bible study time being like, what on earth just happened? What a waste of time. We need to understand what the Bible is about. Jesus is the message of the Bible. Ephesians 5, 7 to 10. And again, Paul using Genesis, using uh, the, the scriptures as his textbook. Genesis to Malachi. Don't listen to them or live like them at all. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. What is he using? He's using the same analogy. Darkness. Light. The earth was without form. Darkness. Light. Jesus, the message of the Bible. Genesis through to Revelation. The very light of our Lord Jesus, or the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with His revelation light, and the supernatural fruits of the light will be seen in you, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will le learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. Now it's important to just put in a, a side note here. We're not trying to become like God. If you're trying to become like God, stop. If you're trying to be more like Jesus, stop. Why? 1 John 1 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Or in him is there, there is no darkness at all. In him is no darkness at all. That's what I'm supposed to say. Okay. So what I'm trying to say. Let's go to Genesis back to 26 to 27. So that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. At all. Colossians 1, 26 to 27. This message was kept secret. Uh, sorry, we are in Colossians, not Genesis. Colossians 1, 26 to 27. This message was kept secret for centuries. What message? Jesus, the message of the Bible. Okay, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations. Now, kept, kept secret, it's better translation, uh, translated, it was, it was concealed in a sense. It wasn't hidden from men, it was just revealed or spoken about in different ways, in types and shadows and allegories and all of that. But it was always there. So, for example, if this, if this pulpit was covered with, a, with a, a tablecloth from the bottom to the top, and I would ask you, okay, cool, what do you see underneath this this tablecloth. Now I could have come here beforehand and put a bunch of boxes up here to appear to look like this pulpit, right? But you won't be able to say until I reveal, reveal it to you. Me removing the tablecloth, does it make the pulpit appear? Was it never there or was it always there? It was always there. Me removing the tablecloth is just revealing to you what is already there. So when Paul writes, and we see the New Testament writers write the epistles, they're writing and revealing what was always there. They're not making something come to be. They're not writing and coming up with a new message. 
They're revealing to us from the scriptures what was always the message of the Bible. Like Paul is doing here in Corinthians and Ephesians. And he's, and he's writing about the darkness and the light. He's writing about without God there's no form. With God he's put in us there's form, there's light. But now it's been revealed to his God's people, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. We don't try to be like Christ. We don't try to become like Him. Christ lives in you. That's your nature. That's your being. You're a new creation. Our nature and being is light. That's who we are. You don't have any darkness in you. As much as God does not have darkness in you, you don't have darkness in you. You can think dark things. You can do dark things. But that doesn't change your nature. There's only one thing that can change your nature. It's nothing you do. It's nothing you don't do. It's you responding to Jesus. Believing on Him. God is the only one that can change your nature. You cannot change your nature. No human being can change their nature. We change our nature by believing on God, receiving His Spirit. And then you become a new creation. You receive a new nature. And as much as God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all, my goodness, as much as God is light and in Him is no darkness at all, in the same way, you are light and in Him, in you, is no darkness at all. Because Christ lives in you. Let's jump down to Ephesians and we're coming to a wrapping things up. So we're talking about revival. Ephesians 5, 11 to 14. Continuing on, Paul writing this letter and we see more, more of this revealed. Take no part in the, and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. Now since darkness that Paul is writing about that we looked at uh, earlier on in Ephesians uh, 5 verse 7 to 10. Full of sin's darkness. Now he's talking about fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. But instead let your lives be so contrast as to and expose, reprove and convict them. For it's a shame to even speak or mention the things that such people practice in secret. But when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there is light. Therefore he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you, and give you light. Now we'll get to verse 14 in a moment. But oftentimes when we... When we think sin, we think actions. And the Bible does often, when it talks about sin, it does talk about action. But more often than not, when it's talking about sin, specifically in uh, the writings of Romans, it's talking about nature. It's talking about the noun of sin. Why am I saying this? Because it's so important to understand, when you've received the Spirit of God, you were living in darkness. You had no form. You had no meaning. But when you receive the Spirit of God and He comes to live inside of you, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've become His. You are now an heir, a saint, a holy one. Your nature, your DNA has changed. 
You cannot go back to darkness. You can think dark thoughts, you can do dark things, but that does not change your, act- uh, your, your nature. Your nature changes when you receive the Spirit of God. Now we want that nature of yours to come to the surface. Amen? I want to and I desire for your nature, God's Spirit in you, to come out of you. What I mean, I want who you are in the Spirit to affect your actions. How's that going to affect your actions? By changing the way you see yourself. Because if you see yourself as a sinner, you will continue living in sin. If you see yourself as a failure, you will never live up to anything. Proverbs says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So that's why it's vitally important to plant the Word of God in our hearts and in our minds and, and meditate on the Word so that who we are in the Spirit can actually come to the outside. So these fruitless deeds and sin's darkness is talking about the old man. It's talking about B.C., before Christ. Okay? We are now new creations, new beings. But what is it saying? Verse 14. Therefore he says, now Paul is again quoting Isaiah. Again, that's his textbook. He didn't have anything else. Paul didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. He didn't have the letters to the church of Acts. His textbook was Genesis to Malachi. He only had an Old Testament. Now, I'm saying all of this to also show you the value of the Old Testament. But if you read the Old Testament without understanding of Jesus, the message of the Bible, you're going to be depressed reading the Old Testament, reading Leviticus. It's going to upset you. It's going to make you feel unworthy. So praise God for for guys like Paul that he used and, and uh, some of the other um, apostles as well, that now we, we, we've got a, a, a fuller picture. But Paul wrote these things and, and, and revealed to us, made known to us, unveiled to us what has always been there. Jesus, the message of the Bible. But we need to awake. Say awake. Good stuff. Some of you are awake now. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make His day dawn upon you, and give you light. A life lived out of relationship with God, His people, and helping the rest of the world enter that relationship is a life lived without fruit. A life lived in a slumber. In darkness, so to speak. doesn't mean that you not saved, you're not born again. But you're a tree without fruit. And trees without fruit aren't pretty, right? If you walk through an apple orchard and it's season for the apples to be born, you, you, it's, it's upsetting, right? If you've got a... Um, my mom, she planted a few uh, strawberries in her, in her garden. And so... Uh, one moment there's, there's lush strawberries and the next moment the birds came to eat the strawberries. So it's upsetting when you know there's supposed to be fruit and it's no longer there. There's a lot of Christians that there's supposed to be fruit and there's no fruit and it's upsetting. It's dissatisfying. God's desire for us is to bear much fruit. Jesus talks about this in John 15. That brings glory to God. Not in the sense that God needs the glory, but why does it bring glory to God? Because it shows that you believe who you are. That you're responding to His love. 
That's amazing. Listen to this. When you're bearing fruit, it's an indication that you've responded to God's amazing grace. That's why it brings God's glory. Religiously pretending and acting like and, and wanting to, 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 to bear fruit without responding to His love and His grace is only going to be short-lived. It's not going to be long-lived. There's no... longevity to it and we need to understand that it's by responding to his love and his grace that we get to bear this fruit but we need to wake up god has done his part say god has done his part now you need to start believing that and realize that the only variable in the equation for fruitfulness the only variable in the equation of light shining forth Changing the atmosphere. The only equation is not God. The variable in the equation is you. It's me. And praise God that we can't change ourselves. We cannot change God. God is who He is. He's done what He's done. Now we need to come to the party and wake up. Revival doesn't come because God does something special. Revival comes when we wake up to the reality of Christ in us. That's why the Bible has one message communicating this very truth to us. God's Spirit in me, God's Spirit through me. The whole time. We see Ephesians, it's amazing. And it comprises of two, two parts in a sense. Part 1, chapters 1, 2, 3. This is the new identity. This is Christ in you. This is what you've got. This is God's Spirit in you. Chapters 4, 5, and 6. Live it out. Bear fruit. That is the message of the Bible. God's Spirit in us. God's desire for His Spirit to live through us. Anything distracting, anything diluting this will put a bitter taste, the satisfaction in your mouth. Will hinder you from living a full life. Last scripture, Ephesians 5, 15-17. Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully how you walk. Live purposefully. Say purposefully. What does purposefully mean? means intentionally. What does intentionally mean? means living with intent. Meaning. You're not just doing something for doing something. You're not just going to work for the sake of working. Why do most of us work? To get money, right? To put food on the table, etc., etc. And that's good. But if you're just living for that, you're living way below what Jesus came to do for you. That alone won't satisfy you. Having a good paycheck at the end of the month won't alone satisfy you. Having all of the things that the world has. Money, kids, marriage, houses... Retirement annuities, all of these things, that alone can't satisfy you. Because you weren't created to live at that place. You created to live for much more than that. That is darkness. There's no form. There's no eternity involved there. But when we accept who we are, what God created us to be for His light to shine forth from us, we take form and we take meaning and we take shape. And the people around us start actually being blessed by us. 
and we start being a blessing to people who are going through horrible times, depression, uh, uh, loss of jobs and, and families falling apart, and we can actually come into that environment and into that place of darkness and be the light and change the atmosphere. That is what God has created us for. Live purposefully and worthily, accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but wise, sensible, intelligent people. Who here wants to be classified intelligent and sensible? I want to. I don't want to be classified as the unwise, the witless. I want to be called someone who lived sensibly, someone who lived intelligently. What does that require? Making the most of the time. Buying up each opportunity. Say buying. What is buying? It's, it's, it's using something, using a tool. Money is you using and making opportunities for the gospel to go out. That is what the, the message this morning was about, giving. With our money, we can buy up opportunities. We can send people out. We can establish people through discipleship. We can equip people through the word so they can bear fruit. Make the most of every time, of the time, buying out each opportunity because the days are evil. I love the Tanya shared a, a, a testimony this morning where he was walking down the street and he was minding his own business and uh, he, was, he, was, he was going somewhere, right? All of us are going somewhere Monday through to Sunday. We, we've got our, our to-do list. We've got our grocery shopping. We need to go put petrol in the car. I need to go renew my car license. I need to uh, uh, go to this meeting, to that meeting. And oftentimes we're living witless. We're not buying up the opportunities that's around us. What did Tanya do? He was walking down the street. He was acknowledging there was someone behind him. He didn't run because he was afraid. He slowed down so the person could catch up to him. And then when they caught up to him, he was like, how are you doing? That's not exactly what he said in his own way. He connected with the guy and they, they chatted and, and they, they, they exchanged numbers. And now Tanya is seeking opportunity to minister to this guy who used to be, I believe, or still is uh, part of a, a, a big gang-related uh, environment. And, and so in the natural, that seems silly, right? In the natural, it seems like pointless. Why even care about that person? Because Jesus cares about that person. And that is being sensible. That is buying up the opportunity, what Tanya did. Because the days are evil, verse 17. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish. Say foolish. So again, you get to decide whether you're going to be foolish or not. Don't be foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. What is that? For the world to be saved, to come to knowledge of the truth. That is what it means. To live fully, completely. And that is how revival will hit your life. When you wake up. When you wake up to the reality that Christ is living in you. That He's completely and utterly changed who you are. You just need to come to know who that person is. What did Paul do? He made it his, his utmost I wanted to use like a, a big phrase now, but I'm just going to say it plainly. He, he, ma he made it his goal to forget who he was. Because we often remember who we were, our past. If me, myself, Etienne, remembered my past, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing here today. 
I've got a sketchy past. You can ask my brothers. They, they're good at uh, reminding me sometimes. <laughs> Praise God, I'll just kind of throw deaf ear. Um, but we need to make it our goal to forget our past. and Get to know who we are today because of Jesus living in us. What He desires for us. Because that will enable us to live fruitful lives. That will enable us to experience revival in our lives. And so if this country is desiring to see revival, then this country needs to wake up to the reality of Christ in them. And guess who, who's part of this country? Each one sitting here this morning. Stop waiting for some group of people to do something. Stop hoping and wishing that, oh, I, w- I wish they're going to do something. I wish the pastor will just evangelize this whole northern suburbs. That's the problem. You see yourself disconnected from the body. You see yourself disconnected from the answer. Jesus in you is the answer. Wake up to reality of who is living inside of you and His desire to impact the people around you. It's not a burden. It's a, it's a pleasure. That is what satisfaction and purpose is all about. Living in your design. Christ in me and Christ through me. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area... We invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.